Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. We're back here on the GM Shuffle. It's the holiday season right around the corner. There's plenty of football to discuss, including this. We begin with a Make Me Smarter segment, Mike. The Jaguars firing Tom Coughlin just days after the NFLPA's warning to the players. So Shad Khan, the owner, he fires his executive VP of football operations two days after the NFLPA warned players of potentially signing with the franchise because of excessive fines and player grievances. Khan said he initially decided to make the move once the season ended, but the letter the NFLPA sent to its players clearly accelerated his timetable. Listen, Tom Coffin came though with a reputation, a guy who had done some things with the New York Giants, now in a different role upstairs. You think, hey, will that translate from the sidelines to management? It didn't happen at all. We'll get to Coughlin in a second as far as why things didn't work out for him in Jacksonville. But what about this specifically? When's the last time you heard about this NFLPA sending a warning because of excessive fines and player grievances? You know, I think that it's really sad. And I think you want to make it an environment in your organization where players want to play. They want to be able to be in an environment of winning. They want to win. I don't care what they do. They want to win, and they want to be able to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, for Tom, for all his, his you know, mantra about team and all that, he's divisive. I mean, he is truly subversive from within. And to me, you know, Khan made this decision. And, look, I, I sell somebody say that, well, you know, he could have waited two days and Coughlin would have, would have retired on him and that would have been fine. No, 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 time out. Khan had to send a message to his players. Khan had to send a message to his organization. Khan had to send a message to his fan base that I don't tolerate this. This isn't what I stand for. And you can't send that message when you let somebody else resign, when you say, okay, we're going to break up. you gotta, you got to be clearly, clearly demonstrative in your actions. And I think that's what he was doing, and that's why he acted swiftly and in a timely fashion, much like Ralphie did. <laughs> exactly. Ralphie, do could mess around here, right? This is the job. I got to get things done. In the case, again, of ShotCon specific to Tom Coughlin, you think about the stories, Mike, with the Giants, you know, famously would fine a guy, you know, if he, if he was only five minutes early, like he wanted, you know, a real disciplinarian, at least that was the reputation, right? A real taskmaster. Why didn't things work out in Jacksonville if he had this pedigree that he had built up with the Giants? Because he didn't have any idea what his role was. You know, everybody laughs about do your job, right? Everybody laughs. Well, Belichick, it's so easy. Do your job. Yeah? Okay. Do you think Tom Coughlin knew what his job was? Do you think he really knew what his fucking job was? Because he's finding players. Like, I don't know one general manager, executive vice president who who orders the fines. Like, that's the coach's job, right? Like, that's not your job. Like, this really falls back to Khan. This really falls back to Khan really having no clue about how to set up an organization that's functional and winning. When Walsh told me in that draft room in 1984 when I was going berserk and he said, just relax, you know, we're only competing against eight teams. He then went on to say, look, most of the teams in the NFL are fighting a civil war. And the Civil War is the ugliest war to fight. And I would say to Coach Walsh, what do you mean by that, Coach? He said, most of the time, organizations don't even know what they're supposed to do within their own organization. Nobody knows what their job are, who really has the authority, who has the power. We've said it on the shuffle for so long. Doug Marone is just hapless. He's just a victim. He's sitting there, and Coughlin's coaching the team. And he's also, you know, making, handing out fines, but yet he's not coaching the team. 
I used to say this to Al Davis all the time. I used to say, you killed the team. I said, everybody wants to be like you. Oh, he said, oh, fuck, nobody wants to be like me. No, I say, no, everybody wants to be like you. Everybody wants to be running the team with plausible deniability. I didn't say that to him. But everybody wants to run the team in the background and not be in the front. They all want to do it behind the back. John Elway wants to do it. Tom Coughlin's doing it. It happens all over the league. And it's really the Al Davis syndrome. Everybody wants to be Al. Everybody wants to be like Al. And I used to frame it based on that commercial, everybody wants to be like Mike, you know, and nobody wants to be like me. Yeah, they all do. They don't want your cologne, right? And they don't need the sweat, the white and black sweatsuits. I never liked when he wore the white with the black, you know. I liked it when he was in all white. I liked the all white. But, you know, I mean, like, that's what the problem is. And Khan's got to accept responsibility. And that's the great point. Ultimately, you know, the owner is the one who's putting this team together. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they had that blip. Saxonville, great defense, made the playoffs, looked to be a great contender. But Blake Bortles was a big misfire. Maybe now you have an answer with Gardner Minshew with a Nick Foles contract after one year. Mike, looks like that could be a disaster. Um, there's not a lot of positivity right now around the franchise. No, and I mean, look, they hired John D. Filippo because he had Nick Foles. He doesn't fit anything with their team. Is how many times have we said on the shuffle how dysfunctionally they were built, right? How this and and Coughlin's supposed to be this this unbelievable football guy. No, like Tom might be a really good coach, but that doesn't mean he's a really good general manager. Like the vision of his team isn't very good, and. The fact that there's an article today that they're going to keep David Caldwell into 2020, like if they do that, like seriously, like who is sleeping? Like is this – do you remember the show Petticoat Junction with Uncle Joe sitting on the porch? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where you have to wake up Uncle Joe every day to get the girls to go over? You know, like like if if they keep Caldwell down there, then truly cons Uncle Joe. Like he's just really not paying attention. Like you've won one year in the last decade. All the other years you've lost 10 or more games. And I actually would feel like Marone's not the reason here. Marone's the victim, right? Marone is the victim. We said on the shuffle that Caldwell and Coughlin convinced the owner to trade Jalen Ramsey. How? I don't know. Maybe because we can't sign him, maybe because of this. But to me, if this organization doesn't scream for remodel, if it doesn't scream for just start all over, Shakan. If it doesn't scream for like, look, we don't know what the fuck we're doing because nine out of ten years we've lost double digits. That's proof we don't know that I don't know what is. It's a mess right now in Jacksonville. There's no doubt about it. And oftentimes when teams try to rebuild, they look to the college ranks. As we continue our Make Me Smarter segment, Matt Rule, the Baylor football coach, sounds like he's extremely open to taking a shot at the NFL. While appearing on Adam Schefter's podcast, Rule said, I don't think I'm dumb enough or naive enough to say that I would never be an NFL coach. He added that it would certainly be hard to leave Baylor given what he's built. This is a guy had success in Temple, certainly built up the Owls. He then went to Baylor. The first year was bad, but after that, they've really been rebuilt. And this year was a really strong season in the Big 12. Do you feel, have, have that sense, Mike, that this is going to be the guy, the next college coach is going to make his mark in the NFL? Certainly those comments left the door open. You know, I think those comments were really clear, and I think what he what he also understands is that Baylor, he is his own coach and general manager. Do I think he would take the Washington Redskins job and work for the punter from Richmond? Absolutely not. Like, there's no chance he's working for the punter. The punter just celebrated 10 years as the president of the Redskins with 100 losses. That's pretty monumental. There should be a wing in Canton for people that are that bad at their job that stay that long. 
Like that should be a book. Like that should be how I maintain incompetence and maintain years at a job. Like like that would probably sell better than Dale Carnegie's any book, right? Like you got to really work <laughs> at that, right? Right. How I was able to mail it in and skirt the fact that I was irresponsible at my job. Yeah, I can lie forever and I'm still coming. And my keypad works every week. My key fob works, you know? So like, <laughs> like Rule's smart enough to know that, you know, and I say this not because I've asked Rule these questions, but I've talked to Rule a lot. I love Matt Rule. I'll be candid in admitting that. I think he's a great coach. I think he gets it. I think what I like and most admire about Matt Rule is, is he doesn't have an ego. He All he wants to do is win. So he'll take information from all different venues and he'll, imp- he'll apply it. So it's really he really does a great job of listening, hearing, and then he's got a core principle and belief of how he thinks the game should go. So I don't think this is a desperate coach down in Baylor saying, okay, I'm never going to beat Oklahoma. I'm never going to beat Texas. You know, I got to get out of Baylor. No, no, no. I mean, I think if if David Tepper came to him and said, this is how I want to set up the organization. How do you see it? I see him being a player there. If the New York Giants, where he was an assistant coach and he grew up in the great state of New Jersey, if they came to him and said, okay, I don't think he's going to come work for Dave Gettleman. I don't think he's going to work for the Giants because rules smart enough to know that the Giants problem isn't the coach. They're the problem right? They're the problem. At some point, there has to be, not quite like Chrissy's intervention, but there has to almost be an intervention of these teams and understanding why you're winning and why you're losing. And, I, and I'm not sure that some of these teams are willing to do that and willing to ask those hard questions. Yeah, a quick Google search of Matt Rule comes up with stories. There's one in Sports Illustrated. Matt Rule almost definitely be an NFL coach next year, but where? Um, there's another story from CBS Sports. Cowboys high in Oklahoma. Well, that SI Link- story. Yeah, that SI story. Like I'm, I don't know the guy who wrote that story. He has Kellen Moore as a head coaching candidate. Like seriously, if you're going to do somebody else's bidding for them, and you put Kellen Moore on there as a head coaching candidate, seriously, like you're doing an agent a favor. Like at some point. I urge all the shufflers, when you read the article, try to figure out where the information's coming from. I mean, that's what I learned from Al Davis. He taught me that. Like, understand where this info, like, Kellen Moore's name on any head coaching list is put on there because the guy talked to some agent. And he's putting on, because there's no reason it belongs on there. It'd be like saying, okay, John Filippo should be a head coach. Based on what? He got fired in Minnesota, and now he's going to get fired in Jacksonville. Really? That's because you're putting the propaganda out. Like, don't I wrote about this for the Daily Coach. We have to stop believing perception and look at reality. Look at reality hard. Well, there's another one here from CBS Sports. This one says Cowboys high on Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley and Baylor's Matt Rule if a coaching change is made. Imagine you go from the clapper to Matt Rule. I mean, look, I would never underestimate Jerry's ability to talk somebody into a job. But I think Matt Rule would be smart enough to know that that's a hard job. That's a hard job because Jerry's – and he's made no bones about it. I mean, you read his commentary towards Hall of Famer Troy Aikman uh, about, you know, what he's – you know, I bought the team. I risk everything. I'm running the team. I mean, he makes no bones about it. Like, he is today's Al Davis. Now, he doesn't have any coaching background. But he is made made it very clear. He's running that team. And he's playing with house money. Fuck, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know? He got in the Hall of Fame. I mean, most people are trying to get in the Hall of Fame so they behave a certain way. He's already in, but he's doubling down on what he's going to do. I can't see Rule doing that. I can't. I I think he's an East Coast guy. I could see Carolina. I could see the Giants if they said, okay, Matt, you come in and set it up the way you want it. I could see that. I mean, he's got Jersey blood. He, He vacations in Cape May every summer. I mean, I see him every summer. And he's here. He's he's an East Coast guy. But 
he's not going to take a bad job because he's got a great job. Yeah, Rule was a candidate for the Jets' head coach job before Adam Gase was hired. He was also the Giants' assistant offensive line coach for Tom Coughlin in 2012. So uh, in terms of pedigree, listen, at Temple, two 10-win seasons, a pair of bowl appearances in four years, and Baylor, the Bears, are 11-2 and this season. They're playing Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Sporting News, he won Coach of the Year. He lost the AP Coach of the Year at Orgeron, but there's no doubt he has built up success, and that success is going to translate somebody else. No doubt. And his game translates into the pro game. I think he can relate to players. I think he's demanding on players. I think the players will like playing for him. I think he'll, it'll be a good environment for the players to, to really feel comfortable in. And I think he'll understand how to set up an organization that best serves him to winning. And I think he won't fall into perceptions. He'll deal with reality. Well said. When we come back, speaking of that battle between perception and reality, the Raiders and potentially moving away from Derek Carr, plus the Lions, they're still hitching their wagon to Matt Patricia. A couple of dreadful seasons, but no, he's going to stay. That'll come up next on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. We continue the Make Me Smarter segment here in the GM Shuffle as the Raiders are going to have a new home next year. Yep, you saw all the memories of their say goodbye there, and now they're going to be moving on to Vegas. Will they say goodbye to their quarterback? In 2017, Derek Carr agreed to terms in a five-year, $125 million contract extension, keeping the franchise's public face in silver and black for the 2022 season. Now, the $125 million extension includes $70 million in guaranteed money and $40 million fully guaranteed at signing. The portion not fully guaranteed is guaranteed for injury. So the deal featured $25 million in the first year, $12.5 million signing bonus, and $67.5 million over the first three years. So when you look at the terms of that contract, Mike, is there any chance, considering the fact that Carr has been underwhelming, is there a chance that he will not make the move to Las Vegas with the Raiders this offseason? You know, I wrote this for The Athletic, and I think he definitely will make the move, but I think his contract's an asset for the Raiders. I think he will be a bargaining chip. I think that, look, let's put things in perspective here. If you believe you have a generational coach in John Gruden, and you believe you have a top-five quarterback in Derek Carr, then how do you explain 10-20 and 20 over the last 30 games? How do you explain that? 
you can't explain it with bad defense. I mean, Gruden was 16-16 and 16 in his first two years at the Raiders. The third year, he went to the conference championship game and lost. Rich Gannon got hurt in that game. And if you're Mark Davis, don't you have to say to yourself, wait a minute, Andy Reid took over a really bad team in Kansas City and won his first year with a new quarterback. Like, where's the when's the winning happen? Now, you could say, well, the travel's been hard on the Raiders and, you know, playing in different locations. You know, that being said, I think, you know, good teams overcome that. I mean, they're terrible on defense. We know this. But I think the reality here is is that Gruden wants a quarterback that kind of is more inclined of what he is. I wrote the article that there's a disconnect between the two. I didn't mean personally. I meant in terms of what Gruden sees for the position and what Carr delivers for the position. Those are two different things. That's the disconnect that I'm talking about. And I think this offseason, I think you're going to see Mike Mayock, the general manager. I think you're going to see John Gruden. I think he's going to fall in love with the quarterback. I've said this on the shuffle. I said it on GM Street years ago that John Gruden loves to fall in love. Now, you remember that line in Mad Men where the girl says to John Hamm's character, Don Draper, she says, you know, I think you just really like the process of the date before you actually get to somebody. You know, the process is what you love, Right. And, and that's really what Gruden, Gruden loves to fall in love, but he loves to fall out of love, right? He loves, I mean, he can fall out of love as quick as anybody. And I think he's probably going to, after this year, be in, you know, 10 and 20 over two seasons. How do you explain it? Like, how do you explain it? I do have to read, by the way, the, the first paragraph, which is brilliant, which you wrote about this article about the Raiders. Again, check out The Athletic. You can always read Mike's work there. From the GM's eye, the Raiders will have a new home next year. Will Derek Carr have a new team? If the old girl could talk, she would lament about being on national television most every Sunday in the 1970s against other rival AFC teams with the old silver police barriers protecting the field. She would remember quarterback Daryl LaMonica throwing to the great receiver Cliff Branch. John Madden's polyester pants with a short sleeve shirt and tie. Al LoCasal celebrating on the sideline with Dr. Albo ready to mend the players and run run Jones in shorts running onto the field to hand out water. She would laugh about the lousy locker rooms and the funky steps in the tunnel to the field. Those are some good memories, Mike, especially Madden in the short sleeve shirt and tie. No doubt. And Run Run. I mean, how could you write how could you talk about the Coliseum without Run Run? Run 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 was one of the great characters. I mean, seriously, if I get to write this uh screenplay for the gambling show, Run the character Run Run's gonna be in it. You know, Run Run's form of currency, you know what his form of currency was? What's that? Viagra. Viagra. <laughs> so if you said, Rum Run, take me to the airport, he would say, okay, it's going to be 10 pills. That meant $100. Everything was form of, I mean, he was the only homeless person I know that was a devout Republican. I mean, seriously, <laughs> Republican. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, if these impeachment trials were going on, he would be going crazy. He would, I can't believe, watch Fox News constantly in the building. But the memories of that place are are tremendous. And I just think, to me, you lose in front of your your last game at home and people say, well, they got screwed by a bad call. Look, you know, they had the ball all the time. I mean, do you realize the Raiders have scored 20 points in the third quarter all season? I mean, think about that. 20 points? That means they're not making any – we give the clapper crap. One thing you got to think, when Marone shook Gruden's hand and he walked off the field, he probably said to himself, I'm getting my ass fired. This guy's going to make another $80 million. Right. Well, here's the thing. Specific to Carr, you know, the Achilles heel, they get very conservative when they get a lead. So many blame that on Carr. But listen what John Gruden said on Sunday. He said, Derek got aggressive a couple of times, got to check the ball down underneath. I think that would have helped us on one of the drives. And then we had some negative yardage running plays on first down that hurt us. So... Some people criticize him for not being aggressive enough, Mike, but Gruden's saying that he's too aggressive there. So that's interesting. You know, and that's always been the knock on him. He's always been more than willing to take the check down like it's his job, right? Like he can't wait to take it. 
And so, you know, he takes it, and and the next thing you know, you know, I think the guy has a hard time making plays when the play breaks down. And I think that's fundamentally the issue Gruden has with him, is you can send a play in, and the play comes in, and you do all that, but when the play breaks down, the quarterback has to have some responsibility to handle the play. And yet, I don't think he does a good job of ad-libbing the play. There's just a—I mean, I've seen him throw the ball out of bounds when the game on the line. I've seen him throw it out of bounds. Like, you know, so— I just find it hard to believe that these two are going to continue this marriage, especially when his contract is really, really good and favorable for trading. If you trade Amari Cooper and you trade Khalil Mack, don't tell me you're not going to trade Derek Carr. And by the way, some blame to John Gruden as well, because what do great coaches do? They make adjustments. The Raiders' second-half offense is the worst it's been since 2009. 1.21 points per drive. That's as bad as when Jamarcus Russell led the team back then, so that's pretty brutal. Ouch! Right, and that's and you, you know. I mean, you got to take responsibility for that. I mean, that and and is it going to be on Gruden? Or is it going to be on Carr? I say, I like Batman. Stay tuned next week. <laughs> well, there's no staying tuned for the Lions and Matt Patricia because apparently they're they're committed to him. This is a guy who has not had any success there so far with the Lions, and yet the the Lions publicly are saying, "No, you know what? We're good with him. Uh, we're going to keep him rolling here." They, they they're leaning into mediocrity, as the Washington Post put it. Jim Caldwell went 36 and 28 in four seasons. The Lions head coach he had an 11 win season in 2014. Went nine and seven each his final two years. He was the first Lions coach to have a winning overall record since Joe Schmidt in the late 60s and early 70s. And now, they're reveling in mediocrity with Matt Patricia, who has led the team to a 9-20-1 record the past two seasons. But the Lions announced that Patricia and Quinn will be back for another season in 2020. The record apparently isn't that important to what they're building. Yeah, I mean, this one blew me away. I think most of the people in the Lions thought they were getting fired. I mean, it didn't surprise me because the Ford family is overly patient i think that they have a hard time understanding you know it's that old that that old saying is we're lost but we're making great time you know they're lost but they think they're making great time i mean you know and so matt's gonna have to come to the table and produce i mean and based on the talent level of his team is he is it one year away from producing now look he didn't have matthew stafford this year but that doesn't excuse his lack of team speed on defense his lack of being able to pressure the quarterback i mean they overpay trey flowers what are they going to do overpay someone else this year they're going to pay Ndigwe from jacksonville you know who they've got a franchise i mean that guy's one of the best pass rushers in the league they can't lose him down there in jacksonville he's one of the true assets they have so what are they going to do where are they going to get these players to improve the team next year? I think it's going to be challenging. And then here's they are two years later. I mean, look, I, I think it's a bad look for the league that, you know, it, Jim Caldwell wasn't good enough for Jim Caldwell, but yet this is good enough. I mean, I think that's a bad look for the league. I really do. Yeah, no question. I mean, the Lions 3-10-1 this season. They lost. The Redskins were brutal. They had a season-opening tie with the Cardinals against a coach making his debut and a rookie quarterback who had never even thrown an NFL pass. I mean, Patricia's tenure has been notable for his missteps. First season, he scolded a reporter over his posture at a news conference or the timing of the team practice outdoors in a snowstorm, even though its next four games will be played indoors and the team has an indoor practice facility. Like, I'm all about discipline, Mike. I get that you're trying to be Johnny Tough Guy, but that doesn't even make sense. The team's playing indoors, and we have a spot indoors. What are you doing? Well, he's trying to build mental toughness, but I think what he's trying to do is be Bill Belichick. And and I've said this before. You can't emulate somebody. You have to be your own guy. And you're trying to be somebody you're not. You know, you're trying to be somebody you're not. And that, that never sells. 
Authenticity is the number one strength of leadership. You've got to be authentic. You know, you got to be who you are, you know, and you can't act your way through it. It never works. And look, they got to, I mean, Bob Quinn's got to do a better job of getting players. I think he probably knows that as much as anybody. And I'm sure there's a disconnect between Quinn and Patricia because who's responsible? Like you're sitting there, you're three and 10 one. Like you're sitting there saying, well, we got shitty players. Well, the GM and you are joined at the hip. Wait a minute. Like, where is the, like, what's go? We have bad schemes. Like, here's the fundamental question. It's either players, coaches, or schemes, right? And so when you say you're bringing them back, what are you saying? What are you saying? You're saying that we have good players, we have good schemes, we have good coaches, right? Or you're saying we're going to fire some coaches on defense. Well, your head coach is a defensive coach. So you're going to fire you're going to fire some defense? Like, you don't think he's running the defense? I mean, he still has the same call sheet he had when he was in New England. The defense is exactly what he was doing in New England. The difference is the offense in New England always got the lead. You know, if he was in New England now calling the defenses the way he's doing now for Detroit with their defensive personnel, then New England would struggle defensively because they never they don't play from in front. They're not the number one team in the league in first half point differential like they used to be. So he's best when he can play from in front. So I think it's really an issue. Lions franchise will enter next season only three postseason appearances in the previous 20 years. There's one thing you know with the Lions. They are going to struggle, and they are not a team that makes the playoffs yet. They are sticking with some continuity. Coming up next, we are going to focus on the huge game of the week. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, both 500 teams, but they're going to determine the NFC East. We'll break that down, plus all of Mike's picks when we come back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and that means there's a huge game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. To set things up, though, first, my man Lombardi, 42-20-1 against the spread. Mike, if you can double up your wins and losses, there has to be some sort of party or some sort of uh, ritual celebration. Like I think Cadence 13 will do something for you. Let's throw that out there right now to Chris Corcoran, John McDermott, our bosses. If you can double your win-loss total and you're against the spreads, that is notable, my man. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I've been fortunate this year so far. I mean, it's been a good run. I think these power rankings certainly helped me a lot, keep me from making some stupid blunders. I got helped by the Eagles last week on the, on the last second to help me win that one. I didn't get helped by Seattle, but I mean, it all goes back and forth. I, I, I think you got to be really careful 
about not going one direction, not not being you're like a broker, right? You can't invest all your stocks in in drug companies or you can't invest all your stocks in something else. You know, you got to kind of balance it. So I think that's what I've been able to do. And I think it's worked out pretty good. I got a good system. I mean, I should uh, do that Jim Feist, you know, get a commercial, start selling, you know, the pick of the week, you know, all that crap. (laughs) I'm hoping people are betting this and making money. That's the most important thing. No question. We're looking to make people money. And we begin with the Cowboys and the Eagles. God, first thing I thought, of course, working in TV, I said, those those Fox executives must be just gleeful right now, right? People are going to be off for the holidays, sitting at home with their families, two of the biggest fan bases in football, 425 Eastern on Fox. I mean, you're going to have 25 million people watching this game and two franchises that hate each other as much as anyone. The Cowboys are the more talented team. We know this, but they've been very inconsistent, as is Philadelphia. The Eagles defense allowing an average of just 18 points per game at home this season. They'll be the home team, yet it's rare to see a home dog. Carson Wentz even said this, Mike, boys, Eagles, this is probably the biggest game of his career. How do you break down this huge matchup? Well, I think it starts with the quarterback, Dak Prescott. I think, you know, he hasn't practiced all week. There's concern about his shoulder. Now, I'm sure the medical staff in in Dallas will do something to help his shoulder, you know, be able to participate in the game. But will that allow him to play well? I think that's a scary part. If you want to bet this game, I think you got to be really comfortable and confident in Dak Prescott being 100% healthy because I could see this game starting out, first of all, the field's going to be frozen. It's freezing back here as you're sunning in California out in Arizona getting ready for your fights this week, A.D. You know, it, we're freezing back here, right? <laughs> that field's going to be like a, a giant parking lot. And one hit on the ground and you go on the shoulder and that stuff, that's hard. And so a, a bad shoulder, you know, and then, you know, you're the dog on the road. I don't know how lively the crowd will be in the game, but I do think on paper the Cowboys are the better team if Prescott's healthy. If Prescott's not healthy, then I think you got to you really got to play the Eagles, and I would play the Eagles. I'd recommend the Eagles here. I'm not recommending it as one of my picks because I don't know where Prescott is, but if I were going to play this game, I would play Philadelphia only because I'm concerned about Prescott's shoulder. The Cowboys have struggled to start well. Prior to their first game against the Eagles this season, that was on October 20th. They had not begun a possession on the positive side of the 50-yard line. So that's amazing to think about that. They do not start games well. So if the Eagles get an early lead at home, what does that mean? They haven't handled success well. And the most important point you make is Dak Prescott. He's been dealing with a finger issue for a bit now. He suffered a shoulder injury during the win over the Rams. It's the most beat-up he's been going in a key game. Amari Cooper hasn't been himself. And Leighton Vanderish, he's out indefinitely with a stinger. We know how critical he is defensively. So from a, And I understand, listen, the Eagles wide receivers, they're beat up as well. But I feel like Carson Wentz, who's played so good the last three weeks, has realized, as always in Philadelphia, rely on those tight ends. Zach Hurts is your guy. Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, And obviously, Miles Sanders stepped up big time last week as well. So I feel like the injuries, I think that's going to hinder the Cowboys, notably to Prescott as well. Yeah, I do. And I think, you know, with Boston Scott coming on, Greg Ward starting to play a little bit better for them. I think they have a sense. And the one thing about the Eagles, even though they've beaten two shitty teams the last two weeks, they have a sense of confidence that they can overcome. And I think the longer this game goes where the Cowboys don't get control of it, the Eagles will feel like they're right in there to win it. And so I, I, I think you're right. Fox Hall of Famer is going to be there. You know, ESPN's going to set up their crew there. I mean, this is going to be like a playoff game because, in fact, it is a playoff game. To the next step we go. So for the record, you are not specifically making this one of your picks, but you would lean Eagles because of Dak's health, right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So let's move on to we got the Raiders and the Chargers. 6-8 and eight Oakland against the 5-9 and nine Chargers. Who knows how much more juice Phillip Rivers has left in his career. Um, but this is going to be interesting because 
you look at this game and the Chargers, they've opened up as, as favorites here against the Raiders. And Chargers coming off their worst loss of the season to the Vikings. They had turnovers. They were overmatched all three phases. They lost 39-10. to The Raiders are entering this game after a loss to the Jaguars, 20-16. to Ugly scene. Their last game in the Coliseum. They had food thrown at them by the fans. These are two teams getting beat up right now. The Raiders may not be mathematically eliminated, but it would have to take a miracle in order for them to keep playing in January. Uh, Chargers eliminated playoff contention for the past two weeks, but they're hoping to avoid being swept by Oakland this season. How do you equate this one? You know, this is strictly on my on my model. You know, I think Oakland being embarrassed. I know Jacobs isn't going to play, so that, that worries me. But I do think you can run the ball on the Chargers, and I think that the fact that you know Trent Brown won't play at right tackle either. I mean, that's the other thing we didn't talk about with Gruden and, and, and the car conversation is, you know, they got two offensive linemen that are pro bowlers, right? Hudson and, and Brown. They got an alternate in, in Richie Incognito. They got a tight end who's a pro bowler, right? I mean, and Jacobs, who's an alternate. They got five guys on offense who are pro bowler, and yet they can, in their second half, they can't score. Like, there's something wrong here. I just think, to me, the reason I, I recommend the Raiders in this game is strictly because my numbers say it's a, really a pick em game. Because the last game, it came down to to basically a one-point loss by the Chargers. To get seven points in a stadium that's going to be filled with silver and black, I'm going to take the Raiders in the seven. All right, so take the Raiders there. Good news for John Gruden and company. Next game up, Panthers and the Colts. Sunday at one o'clock Eastern, you got the Panthers at five and nine, and the Colts at six and eight. A shame the way the Colts have stumbled a little bit after what was a, a decent start to the season. Panthers are seven and a half point underdogs versus Indianapolis for this Week 16 matchup. How do you break this one down? You know, I, I like the Colts here. I think this is going to be a game where the Colts will run the football effectively. You know, my numbers had the, had it at six and a half, and I think anything below seven is a good play here. I'd recommend that. Today at South Point at seven, I think anything seven or less is a good play. I like the Colts. I think they'll run the football effectively. I think Frank Wright knows he's got to get this team back on track. He's got to get him going. Carolina's going to start Will Greer. Who knows where that's going to go? Carolina's defense, secondary is not very good. T.Y. Hilton back in the game. I'm going to take the Colts. I'll lay the seven. I think they'll be able to, to, at home especially, I think it's going to be hard for Will Greer to play on a bad field. On the road, in a hostile environment, I still like the Colts here. Yeah, and just a note here as well on Christian McCaffrey and just how remarkable he's been. Made his first Pro Bowl. Um, He was named along with Luke uh, Keekley. If McCaffrey is able to accumulate 388 yards from scrimmage over the next two games, he'll have the all-time record for yards in a season. If the season were to end today, he'd finish tied for 39th with Walter Payton. I mean, remarkable season for McCaffrey for a bad team. No doubt. I mean, he's really – I mean, he's been their offense. I mean, bad – and the other thing I like – why I like the Colts too is I think a bad offensive line with a with a rookie quarterback on the road, you know, and if they can stop McCaffrey, which I think they can, I think they're going to score some points in this game. I think they'll have a good game, and this is a good game for Brissett to play in in terms of I just not sure the Panthers are giving it their all all the time. Yeah, speaking of not giving it their all, all the time, the Jets at five and nine. Uh, they're taking on the Steelers. They're at home. Pittsburgh right now is 8-6. and six. And listen, you and I, nobody's a bigger fan of Duck Hodges than us, but he was not very good against the Buffalo Bills. But they are going to stick with him because of his confidence and the confidence that the team has in him. But now he takes on a Jets defense, which, as you mentioned previously, they've actually got a decent run defense. Uh, will their pass defense be even better? And, and how do you equate this one, Pittsburgh and New York? 
I'm going to go Pittsburgh and, and lay the points here. I think the Jets will have turnovers in the game. I think Pittsburgh will be able to get after Darnold and make mistakes. I think this is a low-scoring game. I'm going to go with the Duckster. I'm going to double down on the Duckster nice. and think that he's going to be make, make a few plays here. I think it's a game that's really important for Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's receivers can take advantage of the secondary in the back end of the Jets, and I think they can block them. And I think that even though Greg Williams will do a lot of different things, I think Pittsburgh's used to playing against Greg Williams from their days with Cleveland. I like Pittsburgh and lay the points here. Yeah, and just to reiterate how good that Jets run defense is, they're number two in the NFL, and they hold teams under 90 yards rushing per game, and the Steelers barely muster 91 yards rushing per game. So you're right to believe that if Pittsburgh wins, it'll have to be the Duckster because the running game appears to be, at least on paper, neutralized, even with the healthy return of James Conner last week. Yeah, I, I mean, this is all or nothing for Pittsburgh. They need this game a hell of a lot more than the Jets do. I think they'll play their best football. No doubt about it. Uh, before we close up shop, those are the four games we had to pick here against the spread. But I just want to get your thoughts on the Pro Bowl, Mike. You know, people love always discussing it. It's, you know, like the Oscar nominations, like the Emmys. All right, it's never like you know a recognition of who did well. It's just always, oh man, how did this guy get snubbed? How did this thing not work? Um, ultimately, there's there's always different things. Here's here's the headlines: the Chiefs six selections, second year in a row. The Steelers and the Eagles five apiece. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott, notable snub people were talking about. For you, when you look at this list, who are guys that you were happy to see or a little surprised they didn't make the cut? You know, I, I mean, I think Baltimore's team was surprised. I thought Marcus Peters, you know, coming from the NFC to the NFC, that was kind of surprising to go over there. Not that I didn't think he played well for them because I think it's, it is. I think the one thing you learn from the Pro Bowl, if you don't win, you're not going to get notoriety. You know, now say that, and the, and the Raiders, you know, the Raiders have as bunch of guys on there as, as anybody, you know, yet – you know, there's some teams like New England, it's surprising. Like, nobody on their offense is there, which they haven't really played good. I thought Jamie Collins, you know, along with Hightower, had played. Kyle Van Noy, I thought, deserved some recognition. There, there's better players. There's some defensive players that certainly belong on that list. But to me, I never really paid much attention to the Pro Bowl. It was just really, you know, it's voting by fans. It's really, you know, the media's doing it. Nobody's watching the tape to say this guy's a Pro Bowl. I mean, last year, all due respect, MVP Mitch was a Pro Bowl quarterback. I mean, seriously. <laughs> now, how do you take it seriously? Yeah, the Pro Bowl alternate. I mean, that interception, I've looked at that interception he threw to Dean Lowry last week against Green Bay. I think I've looked at it from every – I mean, I might have looked at it more than I've looked at the Zabruda tape. Like, I've looked at that from every angle, and I can't figure out who the hell he was throwing the ball to. Like, that's going to that's gonna drive me crazy until I find out. <laughs> There's going to have to be a Warren commission on this. You're going to have to watch JFK again. Yeah, to figure exactly. Out. Yeah. Uh, it's just a mess. Uh, ultimately, though, like you said, the teams that do well, they couldn't care less about these. But just to finish that point with the Patriots, the guys that did make it their defense, Stephon Gilmore's had a great year of the corner, Dante Hightower, the inside linebacker, and Matthew Slater, the special teamer as well. So those guys did make the cut. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you could have picked a ton of people. I mean, like, look, there's always five or six guys, and I think until they improve the system, you're just going to keep going back and forth on who's in, who's not, and 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 you have every justification for saying it, too. No doubt about it. All right, we talked about a lot of games, talked about what's happening off the field. As always, give us some love. Subscribe to the GM Shuffle on Apple Podcasts. Please do subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday. It's going to be a ton of fun, especially that Philly-Dallas game. <laughs>